Welcome to our very first episode of the Evolve Podcast. In today's episode, we play with the concept of disruption. What happens when life disrupts our normal day-to-day activities? And probably more important, how do we disrupt and make sure that we're constantly staying in that growth mindset? Today, my co-hosts and I will discuss the disruption that happened to all of us in 2020 and also share some personal stories to help you explore the concept of disruption in your own personal life. So without further ado, we want to thank you for listening and welcome you to the very first episode of the Evolve Podcast. All right, so let's get into the music. Miles, Miles, tell us again, what what do you listen to right now? So I've been listening to a jazz album called Black Codes from the Underground. Um, Went Marsalis. He he's actually he, he might be my favorite living musician. Um, yeah, you you played with Wynton, right? No, I just I know him. Okay, you know yeah, him. I just you know, never I, played with him. No, I've never played with him. I played basketball with him. But um, so so in the late seventies, early eighties, when Wynton first came to New York City, um, people accused him of being a technocrat that technically he was a brilliant musician but a lot of people one of the complaints was um they never felt anything in his music they didn't feel that that soulfulness that passion and emotion and 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 and, and it had some merit and then he went away he did the woodshedding thing about eight months rented a barn in Louisiana where he's from, New Orleans, and he worked on it. And I was at a party with him one night, and uh, it was a party actually for Don Cheadle. We were all kind of hanging out at uh, um, Dizzy's place at, in uh, New York, and Witten came out and he was playing his trumpet with one hand, and something had changed. Something had changed. He had evolved. And ever since then, his music has just taken on this tremendous passion and energy and he's also he's a great educator so this album is actually kind of old it's from the late 80s but when i listen to it it's 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 timeless what is his name winton w-y-n-t-o-n marsalis is he related to branford it's his brother Okay. Yeah, this is Big Brother. Yeah. And what's he? I know Brandon. Black Codes from the Underground. Black Codes. Yep, from the Underground. From the Underground. I got to listen to that. You and I have talked oh, about this album. before. But I've never, I, I remember you telling me this idea of the woodshed. This is where I got the idea of the woodshed from. Yeah. Was from our conversation about this. Casey, what are you listening to right now? Well, that's, uh, you know, you guys, uh, interesting question because my Spotify playlist I have I have a few and ever since um, right now like there's a a list called like songs and it is a it is a hodgepodge collage of of rap country uh, 80s metal 90s Whatever the '90s was, I don't know what that was. I don't remember. Like Stone Temple Pilots, 
and oh, stuff yeah. like that. Um, Pearl Jam, um, mm-hmm. you know. So there's there, and then a lot of it on there is, I don't know, right, wrong, or indifferent. Um, my children, I I ask them what they're listening to, and I listen to some of their playlists. And if I hear something that catches my ear, I'll throw it on my playlist. So a lot of it is my what my children actually listen to right now. One that I'm really kind of drawn to, and it reminds me of when I was my early teenage years. Um, I don't know why, but it does. Uh, is the the rapper NF? I don't know. I don't know what his name is, but NF. I don't know if you've heard him or heard of him. Um, he. I don't. I don't know much about him. But what I really like about him is I haven't heard a song he's done yet that degrades women. That has the F word every other word. That talks about drugs, smoking, doping, killing people, or anything like that. Um, and I listen to the you, songs, huh? And he's a rapper. He's a rapper. <laughs> yeah, pretty right? rare. Pretty rare. rare. So when you have a twelve-year-old yeah. son that likes it, and I'm like, well, I better listen. I mean, I, I asked him like, you're listening to what? I'm rap. So then I'm like, well, I need to hear it because I don't know if I'm going to let you listen to it. And I heard all the songs my son likes. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with this. In fact, there's a really good message in it, and I really like how it sounds. So that's been a big thing lately. But what's been real, most what I wanted that how I wanted to answer that question too is also when you guys mentioned the other day about Branford Marsalis, right? Did I say that right? Yeah. yeah, Branford. So I went and got his music off Spotify, and I love all types of music. Um, and I've just been lately just all over the jazz stuff. Love it. Yeah. So yeah. you really can't go wrong with jazz. No, no. Well, to our listeners out there, as you can tell, we're starting off our podcast really in the best way we know how, and that's just rambling and talking about music and things that we like. Um, we decided which, that uh, you know Led Zeppelin ramble on is one of my favorites. <laughs> that should be our uh, theme. That should, for be our, our that should be our theme, huh? Right? <laughs> And and uh, I think when we just started this podcast or decided to start the podcast, we essentially came up with two rules. Number one, that we want to have a lot of fun, uh, you know, together as a group. And, and, and rule number two is that if people can get uh, something out of it through the stories that we share, the uh, guests that we have on, then that's great. But if all else fails... We're going to go back to rule number one, which is have fun and just talk about music and things that we enjoy. So with that, guys, we want to welcome you to our first episode of the Evolve podcast. Uh, really, the Evolve podcast is about conversations and where we explore the idea of how we evolve over time through our choices and how we respond to life's challenges. Um, we're excited to bring this podcast to you. We've got a lot of great guests lined up in, in the coming weeks. And we're excited to share their stories with you. And today, we want to introduce you to our host. So we're going to start off with uh, Mitch himself, Casey Mitchell, coming to <laughs> us from Sin City. Mitch, Yo. tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, right now I'm in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, as you can see in my background. But you know what's <laughs> interesting about that is Sin City's all smoke and mirrors, so maybe I'm there, maybe I'm not. You never know. But uh, yeah, with these <laughs> podcasts, you can be wherever I can be wherever. And, and if you and, and if you keep listening or watching, I could be somewhere else in a few minutes. But um, 
I, uh, I do reside in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, right now it's, uh, it's freezing cold here. It's like 60 degrees. So we're really, <laughs> we're really buckled down for winter. Um, I got my sleeveless hoodie on, so we're really taking our winter precautions. Um, grateful to be a part of this, uh, interesting project. And, uh, I think to, to be a part of uh, a conversation of evolving in life and being able to evolve is a conversation we can all be a part of. I, I, I've got to, I appreciate my, my upbringing, my background and, and all the things that have got me to this point through athletics and business and, and just really enjoy, um, the process of seeing things, uh, move forward being challenged and not being comfortable. So I look forward to being a part of this. Yeah, excited to have you, Case. I mean, uh, this is something you and I have talked about for several months. Yeah. And then at a certain point, we decided that although you and I are two of the funniest people that we know, we probably should get somebody <laughs> with some intellect and somebody who can bring a different perspective to yeah. the table. And that's yeah. where coming to us live from Oberlin, Ohio, is Miles Riley. Miles, we're excited to have you joining us uh, as a host of the Evolve podcast. So if you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and uh, what brought you here, that would be great. Well, I'm um, currently um, in Oberlin Penitentiary talking to you guys. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're in the white collar crime suite with that background. Yeah, as you can yeah, see, yeah. Uh, they, they take really good care of me. From the wall. Dollar bills, <laughs> man. There must be a party tonight. Yeah, they take really good care of me here. Um, well, I'm in Oakland by way of Salt Lake City, by way of New York City. Talk about a trajectory and an evolution or devolution. Like um, three countries. Yeah, I know. It's three yeah, different right. countries. It's funny. Living <laughs> in New York City, I got my liberal <clears throat> immunization shots. And then when I got to Salt Lake City, I got my conservative <laughs> immunization shots. And now I'm living, and now I'm living in, in a swing state that is currently red. <laughs> you went from liberal to conservative to swing. Yeah. 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 You know what? If, Diversity is good for the soul, brother. Uh, you know what? If if I was to start a culture, I would make sure everybody got a little taste of everybody. <laughs> I like it. I like it. You grew up in Harlem. <laughs> you moved to Salt Lake City, and now you're in the middle. Well, I guess you're at the top of Ohio. Yeah, at the, the top of Ohio. You know, uh, Miles, we're kind of reverse. I grew up in Happy Valley, Cash Valley, Utah, and I live in Sin City, so... Yeah, that's that's quite the trajectory. Yeah, that's quite the yeah. trajectory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, I'm Steve Cutler. I'm coming to you from Sandy, Utah, Salt Lake City suburb. Uh, we're excited to to bring you the Evolve podcast, and we really talked about uh, went back and forth on what is the first topic that we want to cover in the Evolve podcast. The funny thing is, we've actually recorded our second episode already, and we're really excited to share that one with you. But we wanted to introduce ourselves and uh, tackle a topic uh, before we release the first, the second episode um, that I think is really interesting, and we want to jump right into it today. We're calling this episode "Disrupt," and this really came from a conversation that Miles and I were having a few days ago um, about creativity and that creative process. 
And, you know, in, in this creative process that we all go through, and creative could be something where maybe you're creating a new business, maybe you're creating a new relationship, maybe you're just at that point in life, like most of us in 2020, where the pandemic hits you in a way that it didn't, uh, you didn't expect. And so you're forced to create something new. And as we were going back and forth and talking about the creative process, Miles brought up this concept of disrupt. And Miles, I, you posed the idea to me better than anybody. So I want to turn it to you and just talk a little bit about this concept of disruption and how you posed it to me. I'd love for you to tell our listeners, uh, the one or two that are listening in about it. Well, I can't remember exactly how I framed it, but just the, the idea of disruption is, it's funny how the word disruption has this uh, somewhat of a negative connotation and there's kind of a beauty in that. Um, the beauty is <clears throat> disruption also means renewal if you see it like this is really about um, having the perspective to know that um, when shit breaks down, something is standing there. Like there's never, there's never a situation of nothingness. So when something breaks down, there's the possibility of something else being erected. And in that disruption, you know, it happens like psychologically, psychically, philosophically, um, you know, the walls come crumbling down. And you see it I, probably most often in relationships. And, 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 and when people's relationships devolve, <clears throat> there's the panic, there's the anger, the frustration, the sadness. But then you look up and months later and years later, it's almost as if it didn't exist. The disruption and something new happens. So, and, and, and disruption can be conscious it could be, um, or things that's that are forced upon you. You know, like um, me in Ohio, I, I wanted to be with my son, and now I'm living a different existence. My my ex wife wanted to go to Salt Lake City because they had a great dance program, and she wanted to get her master's. And I just thought this might be kind of cool, Salt Lake City. I don't know anything about Salt Lake City. Let's disrupt. <laughs> and, you know, one of the and the interesting thing about this, I'll let you. When I'll let you say, but the real yeah. interesting thing about this disruption is, without that disruption, I'm not a friend of yours, Steve. Right, right. <laughs> and you think about that. So, you coming from New York to Utah. I remember the first day you and I met, and the over time the friendship that we've built has been one of the friendships that I that I value most in life because of the difference that you and I have, both in upbringing and perspective. Now, yeah. sure, we've got a lot of things that we've come together on and that we see eye to eye on, but the disruption that happened in your life to bring you to Salt Lake City and then you and I getting to know each other. One of the things that you brought up the other day that it was really interesting to me, so it, it made me think about 2020, and Casey and I talked about this uh, what case probably back in April, I think you and I got on the phone after the pandemic had started and everybody's in quarantine. And we started of talk about, gosh, what are we, what's going on here? What do we do? I mean, so many of us were without a job. So many of us were without income. So many of us were just stuck at home, not knowing what to do. 
And we were disrupted in a way that I think for many, there was no other frame of reference. In fact, I remember talking to my dad and he said, hey, in my, I don't know how many years he's been living, almost, uh, you know, 76, <laughs> 77 years at this point, I've never experienced anything like this in my life. And Miles, you told me a story about playing in a band and the uh, leader of the band came to you one night and threw a threw a challenge, a disruption to oh, you yeah. that made <laughs> me think about, okay, this is what 2020 did to most people, right? whether it was a pandemic, a virus, God, whatever you want to call it, came to us and did the same thing that this band leader did to you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And you know, the funny thing about it is, is you can, um, if you get disrupted enough, it starts to feel like normal or you kind of look for it. I, I remember the, 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 the day they were talking about closing my job at the restaurant and everybody was um, walking around and everybody was really sad because they knew it was about to happen on that day. The governor, Mike DeWine had spoke and my boss walked up to me and he had that, he was really sullen, like, you know, Miles, you know, I'm sorry, but I got to do this. And I said, I understand. But in the back of my mind, it was it was just glee. Like, ooh, some new shit is happening. <laughs> <laughs> so so tell, tell our listeners the story, though, of the band. And then I want to come to what happened as we all went into, a, you know, what, what, did, what did 2020 do to us? So what happened that night when the band leader came to you and said, hey, I'm going to disrupt a little bit? Yeah, we were we were playing at this uh, Sans Diver Jazz Festival, and you know I'm an okay piano player. I can I can play with people, you know, and do certain things. I'm not the kind of person that you will walk into, say, a hotel lobby in Vegas and see me there playing piano solo in some nightclub. I don't have that skill. Um, but this band that I played in was total improvisation. And the band leader knew this. And so we're going on stage in Paris. It's like 3,000 people. And he walks by me and he just literally whispers to me, he says, I'm going to fuck with you tonight. And I, I just, you know, I kind of knew what he was going to do, but I was like, okay, we're, and we're playing, you know, and it was, it was a big, like 25 piece orchestra and we're playing and I'm playing and we have these hand signals. You had to learn all the hand signals to know how to change the music fast, slow, change keys and all that. Anyway, I'm playing with everybody and I notice he's starting to filter out various musicians. So we go from 25 to 20 to 15 to 10 to five. Now we're a quartet, now we're a trio. And the next thing you know, he left me out there and I'm playing all alone. The very thing that frightened the hell out of me, I'm doing. I can't look at him and go like, I'm not doing this, so I got to play. And I start to play, totally disrupted. A couple of the, my By yourself. Were, Everybody said, else is gone. Yeah, yeah. Everybody else is okay. gone. And now what I had to do is I had to first ease the panic. Then I had to listen to what I was doing. And then I had to create based on what I was hearing. And once that focus hit, all of a sudden I was there. I was there. I was thrown to the wolves. 
and I ate the wolves, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> nice. So I think that's a that, that's an interesting topic. I mean, because when life disrupts us, when we are whether it's a band leader, whether it's a pandemic of 2020, or whatever job change, life is going to come in and disrupt us. And at some point, we're going to be like you on stage. Everybody's watching us, and what do we do? And I think that what we do in a crisis says a lot about the training that we've been through and the character that we've developed. And Casey, this is something you and I have talked about quite a bit. I remember conversations that we've had when you got injured. You know, you're a former um, athlete that, uh, well, still, I guess, an athlete, but uh, it played at different, different athletic levels. And at a certain point, something changed for you because of an injury. And in a way you weren't necessarily on stage anymore, but you were in the spotlight with how you were going to respond. And I think that that was a turning point for you. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting. uh, You know, that's, we have talked about it a lot. And sometimes I wonder if I talk about it or bring it up too much, but it, what a life lesson. Uh, your con- your comment, Miles, about being on stage and eating the wolf. I think that everybody has to. Everybody's going to either eat the wolf or they're going to get run off the stage by the wolf. And I I, I don't believe that there's any in between. Um, at least I don't believe in the in between. Um, you know the 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 thing for me is, and I think all of us have had, well, you just had this, uh, this past week, Steve, with the fire situation at your place of yeah, business. Yeah. Right. You yeah. have, you have things that come out of nowhere and just hit you in the, right across the nose with a two by four. And when you, you know, when you're at the height, when you're at the height of something or you're, 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 you're on, you're just so dialed in on something and all of a sudden everything that you've, put your blood, sweat, and tears in for that to happen, all of a sudden is is gone. The stage is pulled out from underneath you. You know, the wolves start eating on you a little bit, whatever, however that works in your mind and in your heart, it does, it does real, make you realize, what am I made of? What's my foundation? What really matters? Who really matters? And, and, and why, why do I move forward? What is my why? Is there another identity? Is there another stage to get on? And, and I had to go through all of that. I had to go through. <clears throat> I had to go through neighbors across the street from my parents coming to me and saying, "We bought season tickets because of you. Can you just go back and be on the team?" You know, uh-huh. and, and it's like, <clears throat> you know, I, their lens through their lens that made sense, but whatever, you know. I couldn't feel my, my legs because they had so much sciatic pain in them, but sure, I'll go back on the team. Um, so there's all that kind of stuff you have to deal with, and and it's just hard. But to have a disruption in your life, whether it's a disruption that is unforeseen or you see it coming, I think the same founding principles of character and what you've done to prepare yourself in your life will push you forward and you will become better on the other side of that no matter how it comes at you 
so, so, some are obviously harder. The, the ones that come out of nowhere definitely knock you off your, your off the rails a little bit harder. And, and you have to hold on tighter to what you know to be true in your heart and, and your character and, and, and hold true to those simple things that, that you've been taught that's, that really ground you. But other than that, I mean, I think we can explain it a hundred different ways, but we're all going to relate to those experiences. So that it's, I think it's disruption, a, you're right, Case. I mean, d disruption happens in a couple of different ways. You're <clears> either forced into it because of external yeah. resources or yeah. you create it. Right. Right. I think in 2020, most people were forced into disruption. In fact, I've even yeah. talked to people yeah. who say, hey, uh, my job continued. I made good money. I, you know, I continue to have uh, a steady source of income, but I was the only one out there. I was the only yeah. one working. I was, yeah. I, and, and I think that was a disruption for everybody. And so I think that there are moments in life where we are going to have external resources that push us into a state of disruption. But I think the other thing too is, at what point do we need to disrupt? You know, and, and you brought up Casey. That, so this this last week, you know, Sunday morning, I get woken up to a phone call by one of my employees saying, hey, I heard that our building is on fire. And so I'm putting my shoes on and I get a call from one of my partners, uh, you, you know, screaming and saying, hey, I, we think our building's on fire. We're out of town. Get down there. And sure enough, our building was on fire and half of the building burned down. Now, fortunately, our half didn't burn down, but is completely waterlogged. We're four, six, eight weeks out from being able to start business up again. And that's certainly a disruption. So there are things like that that happen in life that we have no control over. I had no control over the fact that this fire was going to um, you know, take over our building and standing there for... God knows how many hours on end watching that thing burn uh, was certainly a disruption in my life. But there are also disruptions, I think, that we can create, even when life is good, that can be beneficial for us. And, and Miles, I think you and I were talking about this this last week prior to this, that oftentimes we get very comfortable. And I know very few people have been comfortable in 2020. But Here's the thing about human psychology is once we get into something and it becomes the new normal for us, whatever it is, you know, you go buy the new car and you think it's going to be great. You go buy the new dress or the new shirt or the new suit and you feel like a million bucks for a week. And then that thing becomes the new normal. And as soon as something becomes the new normal, then it's time to start thinking about, do I need to disrupt again? Because right. great creators Great artists, great musicians, great entrepreneurs are always disrupting. Yeah. 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 That's never. I was watching, I watched, yeah. I was watching um, there's several artists who I watch, and you can see um, they're the points where they've literally changed directions. Um, the art of Mark Rothko. Um, <clears throat> As Steve and I were talking before, uh, Miles Davis totally dis almost destroyed everything he had done. It's almost like every seven to 10 years, just totally changed directions. And you would ask Miles, like, what is it? Um, I, can you play a certain song? Once he had 
destroyed or disrupted what he was doing and started doing other things, other types of music, people would want to hear his old stuff. And he would literally say to them, I don't play that shit no more. It was literally gone. And he had created new forms, new styles of music. And, and I think um, I was telling Steve really fast, there was an artist in the uh, 80s, Earl Clue, who I thought was a magnificent guitarist. But once he started making money, he was afraid to disrupt himself. And every single album, he did four or five albums, and every album that had come out <clears throat> was the exact same thing. So it was almost as if, like, I'll take the money, or he's afraid to stop what he's doing and look in another direction. And then there are artists who pay a price psychically and with their audience who've disrupted. I remember Joni Mitchell, when she decided to work with Charles Mingus. Um, Sting, when he decided to work with Brantford Marsalis. Um, a lot of Sting's people just, what are you doing? And a lot of Brantford Marsalis's people were, what are you doing? Yeah. And these these are these are people who thought there's another direction I want to go in. I need to disrupt <clears throat> what I'm doing, going in another direction. You know, and, and and it's funny you talk about this. So my what I'm listening to right now, and probably have been since I was a child, which in my mind I still am, is the Beastie Boys, because the creativity of the Beastie Boys, the way they created the layers and the depth that they created was just unbelievable. Paul's Boutique at this point, in my mind, is one of the greatest albums of all time. But it was one of the worst selling albums at the time that it was released mm. because people didn't understand it. And creatively, similar to Kind of Blue by Miles Davis, where it took music in a completely different direction. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons why I'm listening to the Beastie Boys right now is because I'm at an evolution point. In 2020, I changed a career. I went from a career that I had been at 14 years working for a company, you know, climbing the corporate ladder, doing a lot of different things. And then I shifted gears to an adjacent career, but got out of a company that I loved because of the pandemic and because I had I had been put on a furlough and couldn't sit around and wait for a paycheck anymore, uh, but essentially became an entrepreneur again and, and started in a new direction. And, and I've been inspired by the creativity of the Beastie Boys uh, again, because they push things in a different direction. And, you know, recently I've been reading a book called Creativity by Philippe Pettit, who is an artist, a tightrope walker. In fact, he was he was arrested and, and probably most well-known for walking a tightrope between the two towers. Oh, um, I remember him. Yeah, yeah. And he talks about the crime of <clears throat> art and the crime of creativity. And, you know, in our day and age, especially today, I think you hear this concept of, oh, you're being a sheep and you're following and yada, yada. And the reality is most of us are in some way, shape or form. We are shaped so much by major media, by social media, by advertising, by marketing. But how do we break from that? How do we become our own self? And I think the Beastie Boys have been an inspiration to me once again, because 
I realized in 2020 that many things could be taken away and the rug can get completely pulled from, pulled from you. And as Casey yeah. said, at that point, you've got to come back and say, who am I really? And what do I want to be? Yeah. Could you imagine what this guy who does? He tight ropes across the world trade, the twin towers, <laughs> having no clue, no indication of the disruption that's coming decades later. Right. Well, I, th I think the greatest creators and the greatest people in every <laughs> discipline, uh, music, arts, sports, business, they don't, the disruption is, is not the focus. I think the focus is I, I'm going to get there and I really don't care who, who, how I get there as long as I get there, as long as I stay true to myself in a lot of sense, but I'm going to get there. And along the way, every step's a disruption, every turn's a disruption, every, I mean, think of, uh, of the, uh, Steve Jobs, you think of um, Microsoft, you think of of those type of business uh, scenarios, how they started, how much disruption they caused for for the IBMs of the world and, and, and things like that. And you think of athletes. I, I, uh, I, I read a lot about um, famous athletes. I read a lot of books on Michael Jordan. I read the um, autobiography on uh, the uh, on Steve Young. Uh, and several others, Walter Paytons and things like that. And, and all of these amazing athletes have very similar, a lot of similarities. Uh, I think one of the things about disruption is consistency. Because if you think about how hard it is to be consistent and to become, a, to become the best in something, being consistent requires you to disrupt every day because every day you're going to be beat up with the thoughts of, you know what, you, you've been doing this for, two weeks straight, just take a day off and you'll be fine and you can get right back on it. You know, Michael Phelps was asked, why do you train seven days a week? He goes, because I get 52 more trainings in than anybody else. And that was his focus. What, what am I doing? What am I doing that's putting me above and beyond the best in the world? He wasn't racing against a, another athlete. He was pushing, he was racing against himself by consistency, daily disruptions, a clock, uh, his own goals, which none of his goals had any other racer in the world next to him. Like I need to be faster than John or Sally or whoever. That was never, that was never his path. His path was, I'm going to make, I'm going to break this time. And if I, if I train seven days a week, I get 52 more chances to get me closer to breaking that time. And, and that was, that, that's an interesting thing for me. And I, I, on disruption, as you guys were talking, I, I, I think also part of disruption is forcing yourself to not waste a repetition because you think about uh, all of us uh, are, are athletes in, in, a, in some shape or form or fashion and we train and we go to the gym or we do something, right? I mean, now, as you're older, you might go once a week, but you still go, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like you. Yeah, I pulled out the if, old card for you. If, if you have a membership, if you have a membership, yeah. maybe that helps. But um, you know, I tell my son who's just getting into some uh, his teenage years. He's, you know, he'd be 13 this summer, and we're starting. I'm starting to really work with him on 
on power and explosion and plyometrics and all that stuff to develop a really strong foundation. And I, and I said, son, every time, every time you, everything I'm having you do, every place I'm having you put your feet, put your hips, put your shoulders, it all has to translate into the sports that you're doing or we're wasting our time. So if we're not disrupting the complacency of a posture or of a, oh, it's fine, I can just do it this way mentality, if we don't disrupt that every time we do a rep, then he's not being, he's not moving forward or getting any better. He's just existing. And there's a billion athletes who just exist. And then I, I say, you can be a part of the pack or you can lead the pack as an athlete. It's your choice. It's what you choose to do. And, uh, and leading the pack is all about how much more disruption are you going to force yourself to go through? And you know, I think that's, a, and that's an interesting point. So, you know, uh, one of my favorite authors recently has been Stephen Pressfield, and he wrote a book called The, um, the War of Art, kind of yeah. a play on Sun Tzu, The Art of War. That's a and book. He, he talks a lot about that in creative processes, you're not sitting around waiting for, for inspiration. Oh, there you go. You got the book right there in front of you. Love it. Oh, yeah, baby. But it's getting up every day. The people who create are the people who put the work in yep. every single day. Inspiration comes oftentimes on the pathway of creation. Yep. So I think back to Miles, our conversation about you being thrust into that point of you're not a – a solo pianist. You're not the guy who's going to sit there in the lounge in Las Vegas playing by yourself. And yet you're forced to be at one point. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And what does that do to your soul when you're disrupted and forced to be in that? Well, you know, after the initial panic, <laughs> yeah. After you pick yourself up off the floor, <laughs> you, you start to you start to soar a little bit. You just you soar. Yeah, yeah. You know, you just you you soar. You know, you just you just you, you're in you're in new territory. It's the best way I can frame it. You're in new territory. Um, I was going to say it's frightening, but it's not frightening. Frightening is really a horrible word. I think part of that, Miles, is you have to, yeah, I think you have to make the decision to be – you have to make the decision emotionally and mentally to be present. If you're thrusted into something and you don't just grasp it and be present with it, then it won't happen. Yeah, well, yeah. So we, we, we've talked about this a lot, you know, between the three of us, and and, and we, we've discussed it, this idea of evolution – that it's a combination of our choices in life, but then also how do we respond to them? Because Miles, you made the choice to be a part of that band, right? Then you were thrust into a situation which you didn't expect. And I don't remember if we talked about this or not, but it made me think at least later on that night about a situation I had at a place called Lover's Leap. And this is not the place where you go made out back in high school. This is in uh, Lake Tahoe area. When I was an actual hippie and I'm out climbing with a bunch of friends of mine. You were an actual hippie. Lovely. Thank you. Yes. You really were. <laughs> I, and I, I actually had a, uh, I, I had a record 
that I was trying to break constantly of how many days I could go without showering. Oh boy. I, so here we are at Lover's Leap in the Lake Tahoe area, and we're doing a climb that is three pitches long. Okay. So a pitch is a rope length, which is about 150 meters. So about 300 uh, feet. And so I'm, we're on this climb and it's a friend of mine and I, and we get about two pitches up. So we're about 600, 700 feet above the ground. Now this rock that we're on is sheer face. It's this beautiful crack, but it's a sheer face all the way down. We get to the third pitch and he goes up, he's doing the lead. So he gets up to the top and I'm on second, which basically means that there is zero risk for me of falling and dying, right? As long as he set himself up at the top, there's zero risk of me dying, which I had complete confidence that he was set up and he was good. But I cannot tell you the fear that I felt as soon as he said that I was good to go and I'm tied in and I'm ready to go into this last pitch. This was one of the highest that I'd ever done, or, or I don't know if one of the highest, but certainly one of the most exposed where I felt like I could, you know, if I were to fall, I'm, I'm six, 700 feet straight down to the ground. And I cannot tell you the fear that I felt. And Miles, when you were talking about being forced out on that stage and this you know, wow, what do I do? Yeah. And I'm either, you got to make a decision. And I remember to myself at that point, I completely panicked. I completely freaked out. I sat there on the ledge. My friend said, yelled down to me, Hey, take your time, take whatever time you need. And I remember thinking to myself, okay, I've got three options. Option A is I fall to my death, which is not going to happen. I know logically that is not going to help. And even though it feels like that, mm -hmm. Option B is I sit here until somehow someone comes and res rescues me, which in my 18 or 19 year old brain, egotistically, I could not handle. Option C was I climb to the top and I overcome my fear. And so because of ego or whatever you want to call it, I, I just went up and I made it to the top. Everything was fine. No big deal. But I've thought a lot about that and the quote that uh, uh, Mark Twain said, where he says that I've known, a, I'm an old man and I've known a lot of great troubles in life and some of them actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. in that situation, there was really no trouble. The reality is I was completely safe. I was tied in. Yes, I was six or 700 feet above the ground, but there was no risk of me dying. I was just scared. The fear yeah. of looking down, my backpack shifting a little bit and making me feel a little off balanced. But once I started, I felt like I was flying. And when I got up to the top, it was this feeling of elation, this feeling of exaltation like I've never felt before. And I think that life, oftentimes, when we're disrupted, is like that. We've got that initial fear. We lean into it. And on the other end, man, it feels great. Yeah. 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 So my question to you guys is, when you get stuck, when you get to that point where maybe there's some fear, 
or maybe you're in a rut because you're too comfortable. What do you do to get out of it? I usually just take on another project. You know, it's 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 funny, um, and I've never formally actually done this. It's so interesting how I've never formally done what I'm about to say, but I've done it. But it's just not formal. Is just um, there's just so many things you get attracted to, and I think when you get in a rut, you pick something and you just start. And it just leads you. You go, as my boy Damon and I were talking about the other day, and we were, we were literally on the phone saying, which rabbit hole should we go down now? <laughs> <laughs> because, it, you know, like right now, I'm, I'm totally fascinated with, and, and I'm in actually a touch of a rut right now. Um, I'm totally fascinated with quantum physics. I had to go pick up my son's um, school package today, and they had, it was in the uh, this office, and then they had all of the books lined up, and it said um, eight, eight, um, eighth, grade, eighth grade math. And just recently, I had been compiling a bunch of stuff of what kind of math do I need to learn now if I'm going to enter quantum physics through the mathematics because I've been basically studying it through the mystics of the past. And <clears throat> I literally asked the woman at this place, I said, Ms. Hicks, how can I get one of these books? Because there were some things in there that I needed. And so it's, it's, it's making tentative moves towards a particular thing when I get in a rut. You know, if, if I get in a rut on the piano, um, I start looking at composers that, you know, might be difficult. Like I mean, Scott Joplin who plays the ragtime. He's like, let me play with some rags. Let me play with this artist. Let me play with that artist. And, and then you said something really interesting, um, Casey. When you talk about being present, because being present will really do it. Um, being present when you're taking on these new projects because the thing that gets you out of the rut is being present and, yeah. and appreciating the nuances of the thing that you're using to climb out of that rut. So one of the big mistakes you can make is taking on a new project and then thinking about what it'll be if you're ever successful in that project. You're screwed. But if you yeah. start looking at point A to point B, how do I get to here to here? You build a little bit of momentum, but it's not even about momentum. It's about becoming exciting in what you find at each step. And, and the next thing you know, you're rocking and rolling. <clears throat> so it's, I just take on another project because there's like five or six of them that I would like to really, 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 really explore before I die. I love it. Casey, how about you? How to get out of a rut? Yeah, what do you do this to disrupt or when you are in a state of disruption? What do you focus on? Um, I, I actually stay focused. Well, I 
maybe it goes against some things, but I, I do try to stay, if I'm in, if I'm disrupting something, I always, whether it's, you know, whatever it may be. And when you first asked that question, my mind went right to, uh, in 2016, I, I started a lot, uh, I won't say lifelong, but quite a long goal. Uh, and, and still don't know to this day fully why I did it, but I started, um, the, to down the path to achieve the goal of earning my MBA and, you know, 25, almost 25 years after I got my undergrad and, you know, numerous people have gladly shared their opinions, which I never asked for uh, on the subject. So did you want ours right now? I, I don't, but I'm sure you might share it, but I mean, uh, I, you know, all the, what do you think you're going to get from it? Why are you doing it? Isn't it's a waste of time? It's blah blah blah. And, and I, I listened to all of them, and and I and I and you know maybe that was a good thing. You're a better man than I, I am. I would have told him to take a hike. Ah, I, you know, but I think in some ways, hearing all that, and then when I would uh, be alone at the computer because I did it through Western Governors University, so it was a 100% online program. Um, there was some there was some disruption there. There was disruption that I had to work through to stay focused on that goal. There was there was a class that at the towards the very end of my program was a finance class, and it literally kicked me right between the eyes. I mean, it nice. was brutal. It was brutal. Nice. I had to, I had to buy a calculator and I had to watch YouTube videos of how to operate. I mean, yeah, yeah, I'm you, it, was, yeah. it was rough. Hey, can I but say you, something real fast? Yeah, I, I yeah, yeah. Just, I'm gonna disrupt you because yeah. one of the things one of the things I've learned about disruption is when you di- when you take on disruption, you actually intimidate other people, and other people get nervous because. Yeah. You're doing something that they yeah. might even want to play with. They they're just you know you you look up and it's it's when when people start questioning. You know I always wonder why people question other people when yeah. it really has nothing to do with them. Do it, yeah. Nothing. To, I I want to go get my MBA. Why would you do that? Aren't you too old? Aren't you this? Why wait yeah. so long? And you start to look at other people like. Why do you care so much? <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. You know that. You, yeah. That's an. That is an awesome per, uh, observation, Miles. I, you know, as you said that, I thought of two scenarios. I was living in Colorado when I started the, the MBA, and working for the oil company, and there was two groups of people that I didn't. I mean, I didn't walk around yelling down the halls. I'm doing my MBA, but I mean, word you know, word spread and people I talk maybe, to. But maybe you should have. Maybe I should have, right? Yeah. yeah. So we had. So so there was one person in particular that he, and I think this comes from people who are, are are, are grounded, who have a good heart and who see things for what they are. This gentleman, and he's still a friend today. He saw what I was doing and he took that and said, you know, I didn't ever finish my bachelor's. He started finishing his bachelor's degree. Yeah, see? And I'm yeah. like, that's, that's really cool. And then there was the other people like, you know, the waste time, you're too old. You're like you said, that intimidation factor or that, 
what am I missing out on if I don't keep up with the Joneses thing yeah. kind of attitude? And, and, you know, my whole desire to do it wasn't to challenge anyone. It wasn't to yeah. cause tribulation for anybody. It was really to challenge. What, and it, it was, I don't even, I, and I started, I'm like, I told my wife, I don't, I don't even know if I can do this. Yeah. But I've been wanting to do it my whole life since I got my undergrad. And I'm just going to give it a try. And, 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 you know, and I'll tell you that finance class, there was some days <laughs> I was so pissed. I'm telling you, I was so mad thinking yeah. what in the world is going on? I mean, there was, it was borderline <laughs> like, screw this. I'm out. I don't need this, you know? And, and uh, I phone calls to I, people. I thought you were so upset with that. Just like you were so upset when I used to beat you in our pancake eating contest. Oh God, Miles. That's yeah. what. <laughs> I, I i was i was livid i i no, but you bring up a great point it, it, you're gonna go through your challenges everybody's gonna have an opinion about it yeah right none of yeah. it matters no it doesn't none of it matters. and i look and I, as we're talking i'm looking back realizing mental notes and seeing myself sitting in my pickup truck out front of the house just mad as all get out because i failed the final again for the third time and i'm like son of a god is this you know is this ever going to end and i'm thinking I, I don't you know what's the point of this and 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 it's it's at that point it's at that point it's that same point for everybody where you know what you either give up and just shut up and go a different direction or you know what it's time to nut up and figure it out and move your and move the dial and stop and stop crying and whining for yourself. I'm sure my wife and kids got tired of me whining and bitching about it, but it's just time to move the dial. And you're going to move the dial or you're not. And, and what's the point, right? So I think the greatest lesson I learned from earning an MBA wasn't that I have this piece of paper that says I have a master's degree. It's the journey that got me there and the and, yeah. the, and the tools that I put in my toolbox that I can now go back and 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 rely on for help. And for and for and to handle disruption in a really more aggressive way that really helps me. Yeah, and I think that's the key. I mean, you, you, really, life and evolution of our life is about what we choose it to be. The yeah. disruption has got to disrupt us in a positive yeah. way to to get us moving in the right direction. You know, when this pandemic started, year, uh, you know, what almost a year ago at this point, yeah. I remember Miles and I getting on a phone call and talking, and it was really funny. So, you know, to put it into context from my perspective, okay, so I get put on a furlough. I'm not working. I'm not making any money. So I do what I can. I control the controllables. I cut every bill that I don't need. Yeah. I go through and my finances and, and put a plan together so I've got solvency for the next several yeah. months. Yeah. I put some goals together. What am I going to do? I, I set a morning and a daily routine so that I can stay consistent. Yeah. And then I start to say, okay, where can I create? And I remember one time, Miles and I are, are conversing over FaceTime. And I said, how you doing? And he goes, man, I'm loving this. <laughs> I've always wanted a time where I didn't have to do shit so that I could do other shit. 
And I thought to myself, that's the same way I felt. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah. I love making money. I love, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a capitalist through and through. But I loved the creation. And the funny thing is, as I'm out walking, I did a ton of walking. In case you and I talked about this. In fact, when yeah. both of us were out on walks, and I'm getting <laughs> 20,000 steps a day. Yeah. And <laughs> nobody would make eye contact and say hi because everybody was sad and depressed and didn't know what to do with their lives. Yeah. And then I get on a phone call across the country from Utah to Ohio with Miles, and we are giddy with the yeah. projects that we're starting, the books we're reading, the the art that we're creating, the, the, the music that we're creating. And it hit me, though, at that point that something was different yeah. that and I said to him, and then this may sound arrogant, and and to anybody that listens to it, I don't know if I apologize or not, but we loved it because we had different interests in yeah. life and yeah. making money. Well, that's a big part of my life, and that's what I love to do. It's not the only thing in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And once I, I got past the. Miles, yeah. Go for it. Once. Once I got past the shock factor that I didn't have a job and I, and I, and I got off the fake emotion of, ah, this will two weeks. Yeah. You know, if my wife can give me that look like, I don't think this is going to be a two week deal, brother. And so I said, well, you know, once I got past that emotion and, and I was on the same, uh, I had my ups and downs, but I inherently enjoyed, the time with my kids and and uh you guys your creation of art and whatever i created the very perfect daily afternoon nap i mean i tell you what if there was a, a prize oh, that is, hey, if there that was a competition hard. for knocking it out every afternoon brother you can't <laughs> even get to my you can eat all the pancakes you want steve you'll never get to that level ain't nobody can ever. stop that and this is something, you know, Miles, you and I talked about it during the, uh, you know, the initial stages of the pandemic that I think was really interesting that we, we loved the ability to focus and create in different areas. And I think a lot of people were devastated because they, they found that their lives were one dimensional, yeah, and maybe two dimensional at most. Yeah. Right. Maybe. And, yeah. And, yeah. It was a shock to the system. Yeah. There was massive disruption. So then you see people baking bread because everybody was baking bread. Then you see people doing other things because everybody was doing it. Mm, yeah. And in a way, I was happy, but in a way, I was also sad because I thought to myself, what have we as a society devolved into right. to where your life is so one-dimensional that we take away that one dimension and you don't have anything else. You don't know what to do. Yeah. You know, one thing I also did, you mentioned about walking. Yeah. I walked every day a lot and, uh, uh, just the routine of it. I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I have personal, uh, like, I wonder how long, how many days I wear this hoodie till somebody says, <laughs> says something. And I would do stuff like that. Like I came back from a walk and my daughters go, you seriously wore that outside? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm like, what? She goes, they're like, Dad, 
So if you looked in the mirror, like, well, no, I went on a walk. I, I don't know what you mean. So yeah, I could have been in that. I could have been in that. Com- I love those commercials about the guy who's trying to. Um, he's like a psychologist trying to help people not be their parents when they're homeowners. You know, like. Oh guy, yeah, yeah. Where he says, like, you know. Yeah. You know, what, what book are you reading? A book about submarines? Yeah. And who who reads those books? My father. You know. So it's like, who dresses like that? My father. And that's how I'd go out and go on my walks. <laughs> you probably had on uh, white tube socks. And your <laughs> uh, I yeah, you pictures. get. I mean, I, I, I totally get that. I I went to yeah. hug my son last week, and he's like, "God, you smell!" And I go, "Okay." <laughs> you know, I wake, I, you wake up, I wake up, I make the coffee, I sit at the piano. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's like a couple of hours. Yeah. And then after that, it's like a little meditation. And, and then I'll take out one of the books of reading, I'll read. And then, you know, check on him. And then you yeah. look up, it's time to make him dinner. And the day is gone. <laughs> gone, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah well, guys, really, not yeah. that smelly point. I think it's time for our episode to end. Uh, we yeah. are at our time. Uh, we want to thank our two or three uh, uh, guests, or excuse me, two or three uh, people for listening. <laughs> and we, we appreciate uh, the two or three of you that have listened. We'd love to hear your feedback as we continue to evolve the Evolve podcast. Uh, you know, today's episode has really been about disrupting your life. What are you going to do when you get into that rut to disrupt and start to move forward and create the evolution in your life? We believe that evolve, uh, or excuse me, evolution in your life happens through your choices, but also how you respond to the challenges in life. So we'd love to hear from you. What are you doing to disrupt your life and create new things in your life? So Casey, tell everybody how to get a hold of us. Please, please reach out to us. Talk to us through uh, social media and give us some ratings and all the things that help us grow this uh, great conversation. And we got awesome guests coming up. We're on Instagram at evolve underscore underscore cast. Uh, please follow us. Uh, we all three of us post there um, periodically and. And uh, we kind of, I feel like we, you guys, I, I feed off your guys' posts. It helps my mind. It helps me. Um, you know, this has just been an amazing thing for me as an individual. The conversations we've had, Steve, leading up to this. Miles, your uh, introduction into this project and our relationship uh, as, is growing through a virtual experience. And your input wow. has, has absolutely um, been a, a huge process of my thoughts and stuff uh, evolving the last month or so and so it's just been awesome so people get involved in this uh, push yourselves distract yourselves disrupt yourselves and and follow us on Instagram we'd love to hear from you and we got gear folks we got gear we got gear we got evolved hats (laughs) we got evolved hoodies we have an evolved BMW we got it all. <laughs> we got a BMW. BMW. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can't so, wait for uh, that thing. Go maybe, on Instagram. Uh, critique us. Give us some nice constructive criticism. Um, tell us some things you're going through. How you're yeah. evolving. 
or even devolving or actually being static because it's all on the continuum of yep. evolution. Yeah, we want to promote this concept of evolution, but we also know that challenges happen in life. We've all been there. We're going to discuss some of those topics in future episodes. We're really excited. We've got everybody from psychologists, Olympic athletes, um, business leaders, you name it. We've got so many people lined up that we're excited to share with you. Uh, our gear is going to be available soon. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, you can see what the Evolve hats and the Evolve uh, sweatshirts look like. We're excited for you guys to join us in this process of evolution together. Um, so please interact with us. Let us know what you'd like to see in the future. Uh, Miles, Casey, thanks for joining in in the conversation today. Love you guys both. Yep. We're excited to continue this as we move forward and uh, grow this. Guys, if you liked what you heard, please rate us on whatever your uh, podcast you are uh, a provider you're listening to. It really helps us out to grow this and to get beyond two or three listeners to maybe five or six. We sure would appreciate it. Uh, so with that, we sure uh, would love to hear of you join us on the next episode. And now it's your turn to get out there and evolve. Thanks for joining us on the very first episode of the Evolve podcast. Join us next time as we talk to Dr. John Cottrell, the psychotherapist who earned his PhD in psychology but spends the majority of his day teaching, coaching, and helping people through the art and practice of yoga.